and welcome to the fourth episode of Best of Worst of British, where myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my two friends... Friend number one, Michael Bell. Friend Alpha, Tom Hodkinson. <laughs> we watch notoriously bad, or maybe not notorious enough yet for their badness, British films. And what we are about to talk about now, I mean, we've done an episode each now of our hosting duties, mm. and we watch some bad films, but... What we are talking about now, I will flat out say right now, I am pretty certain is amongst the five worst films I've seen in my life. I mean, the other three were bad, but this is a, a completely different level. I would full on agree with you on that. It was definitely the longest it took me to watch any one of these films that we've done so far, and definitely the hardest slog. How long did it take you? About a week. <laughs> Again, our WhatsApp group essentially became a support network for the three of us. We were each other's sponsors. Don't worry, we're all going to get through this. It's going to be fine. you got to do it, man. you got to do it. Think about the other side. I think what makes this most crushingly disappointing and infuriating, though, is that some of the people involved are people with, at some point or another in their careers, a good reputation. Nope. They did this film, no reputation. We're going to do some pretty obvious low-budget... Director DVD, crap. We've already got one in our liner, ready to record in a few weeks' time, that you will get, I think, episode 7. I won't give away the title until episode 6, but we're going we're gonna to make fun of some people who maybe aren't even a part of the British film industry or any kind of film industry. These are three men who, at some point or another, their name was a huge draw in the box office. Directed by Michael Winner and starring... <laughs> Michael Caine and Roger Moore. It is the caper comedy from 1990, Bullseye. Meet Dr. Hitler and Sir John Babistock, two corrupt scientists hiding a fortune in diamonds. Their only misfortune is that they share a striking resemblance to these two thieves. This is absolutely unbelievable. Now with a little help. Plastic surgery. These crooks will have the perfect faces to pull off the perfect heist. Uh, my name is Hitler, Dr. Daniel Hitler. Love the new nose, Sid. The accent stinks. I'm dead. But before these imposters can take off with the loot, they'll take on the real scientists. You'll never guess who I've got tied up in my cabin. Only you would think about sex at a time like this. And with the way things are going, these thieves will need more than luck to stay alive. Allow me, sir. Even James Bond never had it this rough. I've heard of losing your head over a woman. But this... I don't know what I'm more worried about, being gunned down or updrafted. The castle will hold up tonight. Don't worry, Sydney. I can't believe those two bums are still alive. When Oscar winner Michael Caine, Roger Moore, and Sally Kirkland take aim to steal a fortune in diamonds... Everybody down! You better... Take cover. What's happened? I think we should change caterers. Bullseye, on target, and totally off the wall. You don't look happy. I come from a broken home. Two Knights of the British Realm. Yes. Even though this film came out before either of them got knighted. I purchased this on DVD. Why? Uh, <laughs> maybe for a later reason. There's not just to, to own it. I, I think we might have a bit of fun with that with our listeners. 
And it does include an interview with Roger Moore. He oh, was the only Jesus. one that was willing really? to. And you could see he's a, you could see in his face, like as he introduced it, it's basically Hello, I'm Roger Moore. You've bought a DVD to Bullseye. <laughs> I can't imagine why, but oh, here we are. So it's an actual DVD. It wasn't like an old, the old VHS thing and they've just converted it. Well, this is the thing. The video picture quality of it was so atrocious. It was like bad level VHS. I it? was offended. I mean, I know the Thames was has never been in the greatest of hygienic um, quality, but it literally looks like a giant pond of shit in the opening to this film. I've got a surprise for you. It is. Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> but it's solid. It seems solid as opposed to liquid. Yeah. You, see, you see, the thing is, you know in films, like sometimes like there'll be one location but it's actually filmed somewhere much cheaper. For this, they were going to film the Thames, but it's really expensive, so they just went to a sewage farm. Well, no, it's pretty obvious <laughs> that the main reason this film existed was so that the people involved could have a lovely evening's meal at the end of filming. This was a notorious era in Michael Caine's career where there was a spitting image sketch around the time of the Michael Caine puppets ringing up his age and saying, I just got this script through in the mail, Thompson's, I'll do it, I'll do it. Michael, that's the phone directory. I'll do it, tell them I'll do it. <laughs> he was he was known to, like, if you, if you read a script and the opening would say, a cold, chilly Soviet evening in 1954, he'd be like, I don't think I want to do this picture. But if it said opening, exterior, Barbados Beach, I think I'm going to do this picture. He famously, when he won the Oscar for Hannah and Her Sisters, he wasn't there because, to pick up the award because he was filming Jaws the Revenge, which actually is another film that might be in my five worst films of all time list. Luckily, I've managed to avoid it so far in uh, life. And he was asked if he'd ever watched the film. And he says, no, I haven't. But I've gone into the house that that film has bought me every day since then there's worse reasons to do a film name three you're mates with Michael Winner and he's got a favour to ask (laughs) (laughs) there's one Um, you're mates with Roger Moore and he's got a favour to ask the only favour is that you know you've had to hide a body or something (laughs) but let's try as best as we can to describe the experience of Bullseye so you don't necessarily have to unless you are one of the gluttons for punishment that have following us on this journey as we go from episode to episode. If so, you are my brother, you are my sister, and I love you. I think you're a fool. (laughs) (laughs) The opening credits introduced the production company, which was one of the two people behind the infamous Canon film group. So that means right from the bat you know to expect a film half as good as the Death Wish sequels that they made with Michael Winner before this. And what you open to, like I said, is a shot of the London skyline, I guess. And you are greeted by Michael Caine's narration, who reveals, They say that everybody in the world has somebody somewhere who looks like they do. It was my bad luck that the man who looked like me was an American scientist who was looking for a way to make cheap electricity by way of something called fusion. His name was Dr. Daniel Hickler. He was an idiot. So this is one thing that you will see throughout this whole film. Michael Caine's narration literally having to explain to you what this film is about. (laughs) It's not like Blade Runner, where if you remove the narration, it makes a much better film. It's every bit as bad if you were to remove the narration, but maybe you would have even less of an idea what's going on. It's just the fact that he, he just chimes in and says the bleeding obvious. And there's even one point throughout the film 
where he even says, I've no idea who who's, who's who, or what's what. Neither do we. <laughs> and you're on the rating and starred in the bastard. How are we supposed to get it? This is where we're introduced to one of the two characters that Michael Caine will be playing. We've heard from the first character, and now we see the second character, Dr. Daniel Hickler, who is doing important scientific experiments. You know they're important scientific experiments, because he's in a chemistry classroom by the looks of it, (laughs) and half of the liquids in these beakers have green liquid in them, and half of the beakers have orange liquid in them. Science? That's science. (laughs) Apple sours. (laughs) <laughs> and some sort of horrendous orange liqueur just melted down um, iron brew chewits yeah. <laughs> just iron brew and chewits he refuses entry from a Ms. Fleming with the CIA <laughs> so that's very important he doesn't want the CIA snooping no, around on his well, business not in his science and then we cut to Roger Moore, who's another scientist, but he seems more like a, a financier, I think, throughout this whole thing. Sort of thing. like a, a dirty uncle, I oh, I didn't know what he was. Uh. I just thought he was just a man on campus. Because mm. <laughs> he's like a professor, scientist guy. I just thought he was just knocking around. He was a oh. dean or something. I love how um, Roger Moore's character is introduced whilst he's being interviewed by a very nice lady. A woman. A woman. And, <laughs> and his first shot of his face properly is... Also, an angle that includes her open leg is yeah, it's which a... makes me realise that's more like a, a window into the soul of the human toad that is Michael Winner. Yes, Michael Winner is a very notorious filmmaker who, until recently, I have actively avoided seeing any of his films. For many people, they actually grew to have something bordering on affection for him in later years because he did some insurance ads where he had a catchphrase, Calm down, dear. It's only a commercial. But I never grew affection for him at any point. No, I just saw him as the human equivalent of the Daily Express and I despised him with all my bitter beating heart, but that's just me. Michael Winner is a man notorious for his, uh, let's be kind and say alternative views for how women should be treated (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely a phrase for it (laughs) the the Death Wish films famously uh, reveled in some of the uh, rape scenes basically (laughs) it was rape as means of titillation and we don't ever go that far with this film I guess he thinks it's meant to be more of a feel good caper but there is plenty of objectification of women as you said the first shot we see of Roger Moore being interviewed we see a full body shot of Roger Moore but we see all that we need to see of the woman which is her legs in a short skirt and Roger Moore is ignoring the interviewer by just looking at her legs until (laughs) Michael Caine emerges giving what must be said like primary school level acting if you ask the (laughs) seven year old to Act elated. First of all, they ask what I elated. I do do that every Christmas at the school I work in. So yeah, it's like, very similar. Literally goes out and goes, yay! He says yippee. He actually says <laughs> yippee. <laughs> Just his level of celebration is weird. He he laughs at a floppy disk. He throws champagne at a wall. He's well, like <laughs> the nineties. The liquids in the beaker that he then put into a sink started to cause bubbling, which meant it was a Science? success. And it's all contained on one floppy disk. <laughs> Oh, As he says, bullseye, which I believe is when the title of the film. Yeah, yeah there's, well, there's a lot of bullseye references. Although, to be fair, in my version. And my version! Yeah. My I, legit, apparently, DVD yeah. version purchased from Amazon. Our version, because I'm actually hunting down the internet because I'm a naughty boy. Uh, our version had a Spanish language title. 
which I believe was Atraco El Falda Amada. I may be getting that wrong, but that roughly translates as armed skirt robbery. <laughs> and if that doesn't say more... Michael Winner, I don't know what. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot more interesting premise for a film. <laughs> <laughs> so Kane celebrates like a woman in a yogurt commercial, as I wrote down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm free of fucking cystitis. <laughs> and what Rod- yogurts are you eating? <laughs> so Roger great Moore- yogurt. Great, great yogurt. So Roger- <laughs> and how are you eating them? Just shoving them down your crotch. <laughs> so Roger Moore runs over and they celebrate by throwing a bottle of champagne against a wall because it turns it. out that Michael Caine's character is teetotal. And then, even though they've been in full view of this interviewer, when she runs oh, over yes, yes. and says, have you had a success? They've said, no, no. not in the slightest. <laughs> We're just celebrating because we realised it was like both of our birthdays. <sighs> we saw you. You said your pee. We've got TV cameras. Everybody yeah, saw you. There's exactly, no way out of this. Not exactly very probing journalists, were they? <laughs> it's like you got... And they were filming Roger Moore and they, they stopped the interview Roger Moore was doing. To go over and see what it what the excitement was. Surely Roger Moore's still oh. got the clip on microphone. Actually, that would <laughs> reveal. <laughs> I think we found our first plot hole, boys. <laughs> so this is where uh, to try and uh, keep them off the scent. Roger Moore says, "I'm considering suicide or working as an MP." Oh yeah, that was his I'll joke. I'll go with the suicide. Some. Radio 4 level satire there from Mr. No, he didn't go up at the end. And so (laughs) at this point, we then are introduced to the other Michael Caine character. This is not exactly Peter Sellers in Doctor Strange, love, (laughs) but Michael Caine, uh, number two, is a prisoner with a prosthetic nose. He is playing darts. One more bullseye and he's going to be the champion. So I think what it was meant to be was that this was his special power. That he was very good at darts. <laughs> I mean... But it and... is not laid down. <laughs> but I reckon that all all of his power came from the nose. His, his bullseye power like came Serrano from the nose. Like Serrano de Bergerac. You take the nose off, he couldn't hit the board. And also, yet again, uh, this is meant to be a prison, but like I said, like the previous one seemed to be in a chemistry classroom. This seems to be in a teacher's room. In a school. Yeah. It does not look like any prison... It definitely does not look like the Wormwood Scrubs that it's he's a, trying to be. It's a six-form common room, essentially. It's got a pool <laughs> table, it's got the, uh, the dartboard, and the vending machines. I love that scene as well, because the guard comes along to tell them that he's a free man, and all you can hear is him go, Oh, come on, one more game. I've got to beat old One-Arm. One-Arm, you can tell even though he's been dubbed that he is maybe the worst actor to ever be given a role in a film ever. <laughs> he is borderline scary in in his acting inability. And he also has, I mean, you can tell it's filmed in like 1989, 1990 because it's like the final remnants of a mullet. You can't quite <laughs> give it all up yet, but the majority of it's gone. So yeah, Conman Kane, I'm going to call him, has been... I've uh, called him old fake, fake nose McGee. Yes, mm. has been let out of prison and he's told to be lucky and he goes, that'll be the day. And it turns out his other thing is that he has phenomenal bad luck because he misses a bus, charges to get to the back of the bus, but pulls the pole out, um, falls off. That does suggest, yes, he might have bad luck, but he does have super strength. <laughs> Apparently, it's also at this point that Reg Varney stops the bus, gets off with yeah. <laughs> bang, bang. what you've done to my bus, you bloody <laughs> And we're back and, to one of the buses, and then they spot Michael Winner and go, 
Even that's too much for us lot, and then drive off. <laughs> I don't want to be part of this. Oh, can I watch On the Buses again rather than the rest of this? I think I'd rather watch On the Buses, and that's saying something. I would watch On the Buses four times repeatedly rather than watch the <laughs> half an hour of this. And so now we're introduced to Roger Moore number two, who is another con man, and he is dressed as an army sergeant. And he takes all the possessions from an American politician and drives off before the other guy that's in on the job uh, can join them. So he's both a con man and a bit of a bastard. <laughs> so Roger Moore's driver crashes into another car and Roger Moore then dobs that other member of his team into the police yep. and walks off with the cash and a lot of porn that it turns out that the, the American senator that they robbed was also in possession of. Comedy! Yeah. <laughs> Corn with the tits, it's funny, isn't it? He, he got caught with ladies. We we're recording it probably with two weeks from watching, and I've intentionally blanked it, like bleached it out of my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I've, yeah. Got my, well, I've got my notes, but other than that, it's you've wiped yeah. the tapes. You know how, yes. like they say, with childhood trauma. Sometimes you're able to get rid of it. <laughs> you'll remember it in twenty years' time. <laughs> yeah, when we go to counselling yes. finally in fifty-five, we just suddenly think, <gasps> oh, "Oh my god, god. <laughs> bullseye! Michael Caine's prosthetic nose. That's what's been triggering it every <laughs> time." Not bad enough, his American accent. <laughs> Oh, good are we, are we Are we going to mention it now? Good are we gravy. Going to go Abs- absolutely. Absolutely we are. Go on, Tom. You see, for me, I'm fairly certain he did it purely as like revenge for Dick Van Dyke's Cockney accent <laughs> and Mary Poppins. An eye for an eye. Yeah. Uh, you just, think that was bad? I think he did it because he really thinks he can do it. <laughs> he's, a, he's a multi-millionaire. He's got all the confidence in the world. And I think he really thinks he can do it. Everyone's too scared to tell him exactly. it's not good. This is it. You get, you get to a certain level of fame or, or you know, just Anytime someone tells brilliant. me he can't do something, he just brings out the Oscar. <coughs> Mike, Mike, can you do that American accent again? Got this. I've got this. <laughs> no, no, just just one more time, just for a second take. Nah, it's fine. It's the level down. of the lack of caring that's it's... evident throughout this entire film. You can tell that Michael Caine has only done this for a the money, b to get a trip to the Scottish Highlands and a nice beach holiday and all that, and c to hang out with his mate Roger Moore. Yeah, yeah. Like you can imagine that, and Michael Winner would be the same. I doubt Michael Winner was on the set half the time. He was too busy just yelling at waiters in whatever restaurant he'd been in the night before. And I can just imagine, like, this first AD director coming into him and going, right, right, Michael and Roger, this is a key scene. Uh, we know that you've gone through all the lines in rehearsal. I'm sure you've done that. There's going to be quite an elaborate camera setup, but as long as you've got the lines in place, then we should be able to block it out and have this done in, in 20 minutes. And then Michael will go, right, I'll be honest with you, lads. I was going to read the script, but... Little did I know, Richard Harris is uh, having his birthday. And he invited me and Roger out for a drink. And we thought we'd have a quick cheeky pint. Next thing you know, I'll wake up and I've joined Wickham Wanderers Reserves and I'm playing left back. (laughs) I was the substitute goalkeeper. Yeah, and he had to get brought on in the last minute because goalie went down with a hand injury. We won 3-2. We were 3-0 up. (laughs) (laughs) All he had to do was kick it out. (laughs) He kept turning around, pointing in his own net. What am I only supposed to do? I saw a woman. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, sorry, lads. I haven't remembered it. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's go for lunch. (laughs) This is where we're introduced to the third lead of the film, which is Sally Kirkland, who you can very easily tell by her name was maybe number 20 on the potential casting list for this film. (laughs) So she's at her dead husband's funeral, only to find out that in his will he left everything to his mistress. 
And that's her storyline. <laughs> Hooray! Uh, Michael Caine arrives at his home to start his new life, but as he knocks on the door, the entire house collapses. And that's slapstick comedy. comedy. That's what they should have said. It's, like, whenever that happened, just have someone, just Michael Winnie go, Comedy! So <laughs> Are you laughing yet? <laughs> yeah. And at that point, Sally Kirkland arrives and picks up Michael Caine and drives him to her house where. The mistress is taking all of the possessions out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Caine has a bath while she lays out her clothes, and we find out that they are partners in crime in their past. And uh, Sally brings in Chief Inspector Gross, who put Caine away for three years, uh, despite being a part of the team. So Michael Caine goes to throttle him because he says someone ratted him out, and only he and Roger Moore's character knew about what they were going to do. So Roger Moore's cop man character arrives, and so Michael Caine starts trying to throttle in him. And then Sally Kirkland brings in snacks, and that makes them stop fighting. Oh, because Michael... blokes love snacks. He <laughs> <laughs> was actually to just to feed Michael Winner. Yes. He's like, calm down, Michael. Here's some cheesy puffs. You know <laughs> that he. Yes. You know that he doesn't eat those with his hands. He just <laughs> slams his face. face first. No, he gets Sally Kirkland to put one in each in his mouth each time. Yeah. Ah, feed the bird. Ah. So it turns out Sally Kirkland has another job for them, but Michael Caine still doesn't trust Roger Moore, who I did note has a very odd Persian cat look at this point. <laughs> very great, like grey hair and, and, and whiskers, basically. It might yeah, be a moustache, yeah, yeah. but they look like whiskers. I think he was trying to audition for Andrew Lloyd, whatever. He's a very odd-looking gentleman at, any, at the best of times, but this is... Yeah, he's kind of like, yeah. a, he's like a parody of a handsome man, I think. <laughs> I guess there's some different shades of handsome, different grades of handsome. So you've got like John Hamm, which is like a if a robot had to de- design a handsome person, that's what John <laughs> Hamm would be. Whereas Roger Moore, I guess it's like you want that English gentleman, but like something slightly went off when they when they did <laughs> the want, final. I, I want an English gentleman, but I want him to be more what's the word leather bound, drawn by children. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to be slick, but also wild. <laughs> they find out about their two lookalikes, Roger Moore observing, my one's quite handsome. And Kane says, my one's got a funny nose. So it turns out they're going to have to perform plastic surgery. And he pulls at his nose saying, goodbye, old friend, but making sure not to pull too hard. Otherwise, the prosthetic falls off and they have to do take two, which is an anathema no. to those people. <laughs> we don't do take twos in this movie. We just do it quick. We get out and we have lunch. So Sally Kirkland gets a safe deposit box at the same place where the scientist Michael Caine and Roger Moore are. So Sally Kirkland drops her jewellery and she starts complimenting the scientist, asks for an autograph, pulling out an autograph book. Roger Moore insists on having lunch with her. This is scientist Roger Moore. And Kirkland insists Sexy Roger Moore than with like. both of you. I did make a note that she has a Thatcher hairdo at this point. <laughs> it was the 90s, they all did. And it was Michael Winner, of course it was. <laughs> So, con man Roger Moore is practising the signatures because he's, yes. he's got the autograph yeah, yeah. book. And uh, they filmed footage of the safe opening procedure that looks suspiciously like the scene that has just been filmed in this movie. <laughs> There's some impressive security camera footage you've got there. And Michael Caine has had his nose done and is currently in recovery in the hospital. Well, if he's done it like that, it has to be knighted. Yeah. He's not like that, and that's comedy. That's no, basically the funniest thing in the film. It's Michael Kay, but he's doing that. And he even tried to explain your accent in this whole situation as well. I mean, that was funny. <laughs> I hate myself. 
<laughs> we hate you too. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, so this yeah. is something they like, set yeah. up. I would assume to, <laughs> to make for tension. The the, the the security camera footage shows the the scientist Michael Caine putting in the code, but you can't see what the fourth number is. So here's some more witty repartee. Roger Moore. I keep in shape. Michael Caine. And it's a rotten shape. Couldn't actually think of a physically rotten shape, just a rotten shape. Here's some more Radio 4 comedy. What do you think they do with all the bits they cut off? Well, they put them all together and they make Michael Jackson. I don't get it. <laughs> well, neither does Michael Caine's character because then he goes, eh, Michael Jackson. And that got me really angry because, like, <laughs> well, he's, been in, he's been in prison for three years. Three he's years? Like, so yeah. that means he went into prison in 1987. Who's Michael Jackson? The most <laughs> famous man in the world at the point you were going to prison. You <laughs> say prison, 6 1 common room. <laughs> <laughs> there was tellies in there. He knows Michael Jackson. We didn't have a telly in our sick form common room. <laughs> Who needs Michael Jackson when you've got old one arm, eh? Hey, hey, fellas, am I right? Oh, because he's got am one I? arm. Yeah, I know, right? Comedy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's Michael Caine cycling uphill, and the narration kicks in again. But again, it's, I think it's just to make sure that you know that this is like half the time. It's just him going, just so you know, this is the con man, Michael Caine. That's. I think they had to re- again. They had to re-edit it. Like, no, you're not called Michael Caine in this film. <laughs> You've given oh, yeah. me two character names to remember. You expect me to remember them? Well, it was in the script. Didn't you read the script? Right, I'll be honest with you, lads. <laughs> I was going to read the script. But then Richard Burton's... We remembered he died like five years ago to that very date. So me and Roger and John Hurt went out for a quick drink to celebrate his legacy. Next thing you know, I'm in a Dundee working men's club playing darts doubles with Jockey Wilson. <laughs> I got a 170. Yeah, no, we you know didn't. you got a 170, Roger, because you haven't bloody shut up about it. You lying bastard. <laughs> I made out with a lady. A woman. That was a long-haired fella. No, it was a lady. She had tonsils and everything. <laughs> Wait, Roger, do you think that a sign of a woman is that they have tonsils? Yes, they have tonsils, we have Adam's apples. That's how it works, doesn't it? She had the most enormous penis on her. (laughs) What a woman. (laughs) And that's what's really happened. (laughs) So he's having trouble cycling uphill, and at this point he's introducing Roger Moore, who's dressed up as a blind piano tuner. And Michael Caine, in the narration, is laughing. And you can tell it was just like something must have just tickled him whilst he was in the booth. He was probably reading the paper whilst he was doing And they couldn't be bothered to record a second day. Either that or they thought, well, if Michael's laughing, hopefully the rest of the people will laugh. I love the idea of like him reading the paper whilst doing the narration. I was like, Michael, can you please narrate the film? Oh, look, they put a dog on Mars. So Michael Caine gets the window cleaner of the house that he wants to break into to come down because the boss knows about him and the secretary. Uh, Roger Moore insists that the woman who led him into the room to the, do the piano tuning must leave because I have an acute sense of smell. Uh, making sure to check her ass as she leaves. So he rummages around the drawers. Not those kind of drawers. Now that's coming. Until she comes in and asks if he wants a drink. Uh, so <laughs> women are entering uh, a men's club all dressed as tarts in a very early 90s late 80s version of uh, lingerie and, and dressing up I was expecting Benny Hill to pop up at any yeah, point in that moment like people dressed as army generals you're expecting a vicar in there <laughs> somewhere yeah that sort of 70s sitcom stereotype of the vicar going ooh too gracious 
Well, if we were all in, and just sort of run around with them. But yes, it's in this Benny Hill Appreciation Society Working Men's Club that uh, <laughs> the Whitaker has gone to meet the scientist versions of Michael Caine and Roger Moore. Uh, Michael Caine gets into the flat that they need to through the window. Uh, he first stops a Chihuahua from attacking him, but then there's a Rottweiler who happens to have the key that he's after that follows him as well. He throws the small dog at him, but the dog still goes for his arm. The window cleaner returns and has brought the carriage back. Michael Caine climbs down a rope. Uh, he reaches another flat where a bunch of old ladies are performing a seance. He somehow <laughs> swings in oh. with the least amount of momentum I've ever seen in my life that causes him to crash through the window. Mm-hmm. Starts singing happy birthday Obviously. and leaves. This is the plot that's happened. This wasn't a fever dream that we were going <laughs> no, to be No, had. this happened, yeah. I mean, again, again, it's just like they can't think of it. There's no, there's no thought that's gone into this. my fucking window here. Happy birthday! No, seriously, no. Look, that's going to cost a fortune. To, we've been trying to contact my dead husband, and you've ruined to it with your. You. Happy <laughs> How can you do this? Happy no, birthday! Seriously, you like Michael Myers, <laughs> and you also look like that bloke who's trying to go create fusion. <laughs> so we return to the gentleman's club where the Whitaker is still trying to keep Michael Bay, uh, Michael Caine, and. Michael Bay. Yeah. Michael Bay. This, this, is, this a... was probably Michael Bay's. In, you know how some people are inspired by Raiders of the Lost Ark or <laughs> Back to the Future. This was the film that made Michael Bay because there's films for scumbags like me out there to get to make. You're probably watching this gone. I reckon I could make something out of this. But I must try and be even more disrespectful. So anyway, in this working men's club, women cavort and dance, and 28 years after that, they're finally brought to justice in the (laughs) recent scandal. Time's up, lads! (laughs) So Roger Moore is rumbled whilst... This is a common Roger Moore is rumbled while rummaging through the house. And, uh, oh yeah, you know that it's the house of an Americans because there's random eagles and USA flags (laughs) Mm. scattered across the place. Good. There's a lot of that. Good to know. And uh, she brings him down the stairs, asking him if he studied under Mozart. I know Michael Caine thinks that most women are dim, but <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael Winner. I keep uh, I keep labeling Michael Caine, making him even worse than he is. Not all Michaels are the same. Damn it! All right, as, <laughs> as speaking as a good one. All right, half decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, passable one. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Roger Moore... Find a terrible one! (laughs) So Roger Moore, at this point, accidentally knocks over a bust of Beethoven, which happens to have the key that they're looking for inside of it. Obviously. Might have fortunate. He's he's Roger Moore. He knows exactly where he's going. Uh, So Kirkland is now back with the con man, uh, Michael Caine, uh, helping him plaster his arm that he hurt somehow, uh, saying how she finds herself attracted to the scientist version of Michael Caine. Oh, yes, they're looking for the Rottweiler. They need to get the key from the Rottweiler. So in order to tempt the Rottweiler, this is their plan. They drive around with an open back truck that Mm. carries a poodle in it. Now we're cooking with gas. I'm onto it now. So the Rottweiler jumps on and literally starts humping (laughs) the poodle. To the amusement of some schoolgirls and the disgust of some nuns. I think the listeners at home should know that I'm currently hiding behind my hands. Literally the worst thing I have ever seen committed to film. Mate, it's dog shagging. It's funny. Mate, mate, mate. Right, what is, right. here's the it, next scene, right? right when right. you're seven and you're in the school and you see it out in the school playing fields, it's yeah, funny. fine, that's funny. No, no, it's When funny. you're 27 and you're watching it for the purposes of a podcast... 
It's like being punched in the no, eyes. No, no, you see the problem. You see the thing is, right? It's a dog, and they're shagging like a human. <laughs> it's ready for. Well, it. then, when he's like doing the whole scene of driving <laughs> past with the dog shagging on the back, the obvious clockwork mannequin dogs <laughs> pumping away on each other on the back of a van has got to be one of the weirdest requests from a script I've ever imagined. Like, I think. See, this one, whoever wrote the scene, I think they're just going like. Oh, this is oh, this is it. All right, this is going to get me all the awards. I'm going to be writing for the, I'm going to write for this. I'm going to write for this. I'm going to write this. Is, this is my key out here. This is this scene. It's dog shagging. <laughs> this isn't just going to win us awards, but gentlemen. Then... This is going to be the final seal that gives us the lifetime achievement awards. <laughs> now Kirker is monster much. <laughs> this is this is my Del Boy falling through the bar scene. It's going to repeat it for years and years and years. How is this not in like at least the top five? moments of all time <laughs> so, you know, like, but it's not it's not even just that we don't just get to see a dog shagging one oh, dog oh no there's an no, orgy and Roger Moore now drive the Rottweiler to uh, essentially the dog equivalent of that club that we've it's just a, seen Michael it's Kay a dog, and Roger it's, it's Moore a, yeah, it's a entertain. doggy brothel <laughs> yeah it's a bordello for bitches really what amazes me though is they have Roger Moore and Michael Kane just sit there <laughs> doing watching no it now I can only assume they expected them to do more but they called them in the morning saying Right, so we're going to do some funny little slapstick routines with those dogs if you both are going to be up and active and ready for it. Right, I'll be honest with you, lads. <laughs> I was going to have a nice night of it, and I bought that book, A Brief History of Time, by Stephen Hawking, and I was going to read it to show what a clever scientist I am. But unbeknownst to me, as I'm walking out of the bookshop, Ollie Reed turns up. Next thing you know, I'm at a conference in Stockholm giving a presentation about cold fusion. <laughs> I found the discussion about drink theory very fascinating. And Ollie Reed was passed out on the sofa licking his own wound. And for some reason... Oh... <laughs> uh, uh, pretty cat. And, uh. then when, and then when he fell unconscious, he... I drew a dick on his head. <laughs> oh, we had a good laugh in Stockholm that night. Ollie Reid with an old penis on his face. Old penis face there. Penis Reid. I spent the night with Miss Finland 1983. I told you that was Mr. Finland 1986. <laughs> her name was Steve. <laughs> Wonderful <laughs> penis on her. <laughs> Smooth shaft, lovely balls. So yeah, the dog literally shags himself out. They say you have to give six dogs ecstasy to get one key. Yeah, it was weird. They were narrating it like crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking bizarre. Like, the Peter Purvis of the pervert. And it's world. a proper, like, it's a proper like, melancholic look back at the life oh. spent. See, I, it was kind of like, you know, uh, Richard and Judy's doing light chatter. You know? <laughs> it's, it's oh, just look too, at him. He's just... There's two lads sitting on a wall, kicking their legs across, just like it makes them go really bad jokes. jokes. There was a time we were that young dog going around humping every single bitch that was nearby. <laughs> Speak for yourself. That was me last night. <laughs> He's got a wonderful shaft on him. <laughs> there's just two lads sitting on the wall doing open mic jokes. It's just dreadful. Just watching dogs humping <laughs> away. Just while Shh. dogs are shagging. It's... I'm sure that's a sex crime. But they're not enjoying it. They're just doing it really deadpan and mundanely. They're just My watching question... this dog going on an orgy. So this is where we get the next stage of the heist, which is the preparation for it. So I mean, I'll, I'll Roger Moore is getting a suit made, whilst Michael Caine is studying walking techniques. I'll be honest; it was all downhill after the dog shagging. 
So it's a dress-up montage. Roger Moore getting a wig fitted. Yeah, a wig on top of a wig, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Caine's getting different colored contact lenses done. I mean, the effort that they go to. Uh, so, con man Roger Moore tries out his impersonation of scientist Roger Moore at the health club, uh, which turns out to be a brothel! Yay! So, when con man Michael Caine finds out about that, he wants to go as well. Oh. Only to find out that he's gone to an actual health spa where he'll get massaged by a muscular man. Again, another, another comedy moment of Michael Caine being massaged very aggressively. <laughs> whilst uh, Kirkland's home is emptied of the last of its belongings Michael Caine returns and collapses and Kirkland just says you dirty old man Moore and Caine follow two women to the bar uh, this is uh, another thing there uh, this is Conman Michael Caine and Conman Roger Moore I think yes yes it is yeah I got very confused at this point yes I'm... we get confused like, like I said they expect you to get confused and yeah. we'll have narrators explain who it is it's getting to the point where you're expecting like an arrow to be edited in and just <laughs> just like, quick like freeze frame and then their names appear yeah the... just a caption this one is who he's playing <laughs> this time this is Sydney so yeah they're at a hotel bar and they are checking out two women Roger Moore reads the name of one of the women to s- and finds out that it's a scientist and they have been mistaken for scientist Roger Moore and scientist Michael Caine. Oh my fucking god! I just can't. I oh god, and and also, <laughs> I mean, sums it up perfectly, doesn't it? I mean, Michael Caine makes sure to explain all of this to us in the narration. By the way, you're watching a film. The <laughs> uh, scientist women, to be fair, are quite conservatively dressed. Although it doesn't stop Roger Moore staring at the breasts of the woman who I later found out. Is his real life daughter? Oh! Oh, oh holy shit! Dirty. Oh, oh my god! No, oh. didn't know that, and now I'm even more horrendously shocked by the life in all of its forms. So, scientist Michael Caine and scientist Roger Moore turn up at this point and look out for groupies. The no, scientist groupies. No, 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 no! I don't think you could just move on from that. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm locked in this hole there for a while, <laughs> as I bet he was. Oh yeah, so a scientist colleague uh, accosts Michael, scientist Michael, uh, no, he accosts Conman Roger Moore about the scientist Roger Moore's article that caused him to blow up his garage. He pokes Roger Moore until Michael Caine lamps him one in the face. Yep, started a big old fight. Uh, so the Conman arrested whilst the scientist versions of them uh, leave. So Roger Moore and Michael Caine wonder if either of them has had sex with Sally Kirkland's character. Neither believes the other. Kane slaps Moore's cards away and he picks one out of the toilet because Roger Moore has some playing cards with him. I I, I pick some odd things to make notes about in I hindsight. but I clear just... out Christmas oh, pockets remember. before I throw them in a cell. Yeah. I... Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Sally Kirkland arrives home to find out that a punch-up between two scientists in a oh, hotel yeah. is front-page <laughs> news of the sun. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that that was. I've written out a, a whole sentence explaining how they get bailed out, but I cannot be asked to read it. <laughs> it's just furthering the plot, and that's never a good thing in this film. Uh oh! It turns out the person Michael Caine punched arrives to pay their bail and apologizes, and the manager for the scientists attacks him. I don't know. They take a taxi ho- then that is driven by a punk. 
Oh, oh yes, this was the most offensive thing for yeah, me in the, the, the whole the, film. The punk from the big book of stupid stereotypes. So scientist Moore and scientist Kane are about to leave when Kirkland crashes into them. She puts some fake blood on her nose and claims that Roger Moore hit her. Conman Michael Caine takes over from the punk driver who is smoking and generally being obnoxious. They crash the car and then run. Pu- they run into a shop where a large-breasted woman offers them cheese samples and Roger Moore makes a joke about her large breasts. I mean, breasts are funny. Not as, fun- <laughs> not as funny as dog shagging. But, Actually, you know. this, isn't a- this isn't the Daily Express in film form. This is the Daily Sport in film form. Oh my God, you're right. There was one kid I remember, he used to have, he was in like the year below us, and I always remember that he had quite sore chap lips, so he constantly had like a chapstick that he was using. And I remember he used to take the, I'd take the same bus as him home from school occasionally, and he used to always get the Daily Sports from the local news agents and just look through it like very... Like, like he's reading a New Yorker article, the amount of concentration that this is given. I love that idea. Yes, yes, you could stick several cream eggs in your anal cavity. Hmm. But how, how many is too many? How droll. I remember he's now my, in prison. My first, my first experience of the daily sport was actually Thank when God I was, for that, I thought you were going to say shoving cream eggs at your ass. No, no, that's for a later <laughs> podcast. My first experience of the daily sport was when I was working as an extra on a BBC show called Backup. Yes, that one. And I would have been 11 years old at the time. And I don't know if, you know, if you've ever done extra work or anything like that on the film set. No. You are bored out of your minds. And this is the days before mobile phones and everything. I literally spent eight hours on a parked double-decker bus waiting to be called by the first assistant director when we would finally be needed. And you are just... And I did not know... This was my first time on a set, so I did not know... What I was getting myself in for. I knew better after this. So you, after like two hours, you are desperate for anything to occupy yourself. And I was looking for like there was, and then I just went to the back of the bottom deck of the new, of the bus, and I found a newspaper. I can read a newspaper, <laughs> and it was the Daily Sport. And I was so annoyed because there was nothing in there to read. <laughs> yes, jugs, all very nice. But where's the article about the recent times? I want to read about the Maastricht Treaty. <laughs> not Maastricht TTs. No, I'm not interested in those at all. Yes, Sam Fox is lovely. What else have you got for me? <laughs> I think this was Melinda Messenger time. Maybe. Oh, oh, I loved the, her. The oh. golden era. <laughs> Do we of you to remember Melinda Messenger uh, in probably 98 did a game show with Freddie Starr called Beat the Crusher? Because I'm convinced it was real, but no one's heard of it, so it's probably a dream. So if anyone out there has heard of Beat the Crusher, please contact yeah, but, yeah, at MichaelBell86. Genuinely, please, please tell me, because I'm convinced it's a dream. Well, we, 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 we've referenced several all... obscure game shows on this so far. We've Beat mentioned the it's... Beat the Crusher with Freddie Starr and Melinda Messenger. Yeah, uh, like... Heads or Tails with Justin Lee Collins. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to throw uh, Crossfire, the old paintball assault game. What? That was a thing. It was on Sundays on Channel 4. It was just teams that would go and shoot each other with paintballs. It was great. Do you remember the virtual reality game show hosted by Craig Charles? Where he was dressed up as Lister, but they could obviously, for legal reasons, couldn't say it was Lister. Was this when he was paying off his court case? Many things. He was <laughs> yes. paying off. So that's how I bought a crack off him. I just wonder, they'll probably be like, really obscure. I, I just love it, you know. Like, you, can't even, you can't even create a parody that sounds more ridiculous than that. What, like, you, say it again, yours. Uh, beat the Crusher. Where Meet the Crusher with Freddy Star, Freddie Star and Heads Messenger. or Tails with Justin Lee Collins. I don't know what number am I thinking of with Bradley Walsh. You know? 
Naked Jungle with Keith Chegwin. Oh, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Whose cock is this with Joe Pasquale? I don't know. Up <laughs> <laughs> oh, pops Roger Moore. Lovely shaft, great balls. Does this glove fit with Jim Davidson? You know, you got to put your hand in. No, it doesn't fit. Can you make a cake from it with Thora Heard? <laughs> Jumper, can you make a cake from it? I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go, lovely. <laughs> if only Alan Bennett were here. Right, let's return. No, he was the script supervisor. <laughs> right, let's return to Bullseye. Do we have to? Not the, unfortunately, not the Jimbo in uh, game show. We Com- not anything else other than this. The con men sign into the bank vault. Michael Caine screws up with the guard when asking about the wife with legs. That was the wrong guard. Moore opens his vault and tells Michael Caine to try and go with the, the keypad. So this is the thing they set up. The one thing that could be borderline a tense scene about the keypad. They don't know what the final number is. Michael Caine just takes a wild guess and goes six. And he's right! Of course it is. He's Michael Caine. Yeah, but he's supposed to be unlucky throughout the entire film. Apart from this. And apart from that one moment when he is lucky and gets it right. My God, man, you found a plot hole. That's because he's... That's right. How many have that now? But he's pretending to be someone else who probably is luckier than him, you see. His acting ability. Acting! Acting! Takes away his his bad luck. So security arrive and accost them. More immediately rats out uh, Michael Caine, but it turns Mm -hmm. out it's just because the Queen has arrived. Obviously. Uh, narrator Michael Caine explains this because of how bad the Queen lookalike is in this movie. They even just put out some random corgis just to really fire the point home. So scientists Roger Moore and Michael Caine arrive and they're grabbed by the police. Comments celebrate their success only for the police to arrive at their house. Moore rehearses his grassing up but, and then they're taken to the transport museum and here's our twists! I would call it more sort of the the shunting from one car into another. Because MI5 and the CIA are there and they are being hired because the scientists were planning to sell their fusion to the highest bidder, undercutting the billions of pounds and dollars the UK and US have been investing in this experiment. Six foreign powers have made payments to be in the bidding process and Tom is hurting his head quite he's smacking his head this is so much more fun than watching this film (laughs) no it's not it's equally as tedious so it turns out the woman whose breasts Roger Moore had read and was also let's remind people his His real life daughter daughter, was a US CIA agent oh what are the chances the auctions are going to take place on the Orient Express of course they are and now we finally realise why they made this film because they wanted to go on the the Orient Express Express. (laughs) the the journey will finish in Scotland which is where the final purchase of the fusion will take place the CIA agents produce a floppy disk with the fake plans and the MI5 agent says they'll get the real disk off of the scientists if the comments succeed, they will get to keep the diamonds that they found in that bank vault that was already being used for the payments. Uh, Mark Kane and Sally Kirkland agree. Roger Moore must be persuaded for fear of getting attacked from those that he screwed being in prison. I, I, that sentence didn't make much sense, but neither did this film, and I can't be asked to go back on it. <laughs> Mark Kane, Roger Moore, and now the two ladies posing as mother and daughter arrive at the train station. The one-armed man that Kane had played darts with in the prison is now working at a flower store. <gasps> old one-arm? Old one-arm. Ah, love old one-arm. Glad he came back. Best thing in the film. Yeah. <laughs> the beloved return of the <laughs> <laughs> Mark Kane orders some drinks on the Orient Express and is reminded by Roger Moore that the car- that his uh, duplicate is teetotal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the line that comes after this. He doesn't drink. He doesn't go with women. What the hell does he need money for? I'll tell you what. More fucking scriptwriters. Mm. 
Because this is nonsense. So here is where Mark Cain decides to do some method acting in his performance of Michael Winner. Where he gets drunk, <laughs> makes a loud racket and randomly accosts passing women. The agent, Roger Moore's daughter, wonders why Kirkland has a list of shops in her deposit box. Mark Cain enters, hassles them whilst being drunk a bit more and then hasses that passing woman again. The agent gives Michael Caine an earpiece to feed him lines to say later on. I, at this point, I was so fed up of writing Conman Kane and Scientist Kane that I did actually start using Michael Caine's character name. So, oh, yeah, God, you one. Yes, it. the scientist is Hickler. Again, I think that was meant to be a joke. Oh, Dr. Daniel Hickler. Hickler. Oh, I get it. So from now on, I'm going to call Scientist Kane is Hickler, okay? Hickler. I just couldn't fake notes throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Scientist Kane is Hickler and Conman Kane is Sydney. I never bothered learning Roger Moore's character's name. Because it's Roger very, Moore. Because it's Roger Moore. Roger Moore, is, Roger Moore has never bothered learning a character. <laughs> so. What's the guy's name again? James. Moore? James Moore? No, Bond. <laughs> oh, that's why he keeps saying Bond, James Bond. Okay. The, I thought he was just investing in premiums. Well, you <laughs> mean in this film I've got to put my hair on that side of my foot? No, no, won't do it. Won't do it. That's what, his level of acting is where his hair is. Where do you want my mole today? Here? Here? Here, so, here. Mark, on your penis. A so, magnificent penis, yes it is. <laughs> Mark Kane's narrator explains to people that this is Hitler, but he doesn't explain how he gets there. Because Magic, that's or comedy, or, oh, or Michael Winner's personal bus of death. Hitler bumps into Sally Kirkland, who mistakes him for Sydney. Yeah. Uh, Sydney's getting changed, and Hitler enters with a gun somehow. Magic, good evening. Science, comedy. <laughs> Sydney sprays shaving foam in his face, causing him to miss a shot. They have a fight to match from Russia with love in its intensity in a tight train carriage. You could have had such a great fight scene throughout the whole thing. No, you couldn't. In seconds. No, you couldn't. No, with these actors, though. these scripts, these directors, this location, everything. Okay. You could have made anything good. End okay, off. if you're going to throw that at me, yeah. Yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> so Sydney races to the gala evening that there's being held where the first of the auction's going to take place. He goes up to Roger Moore and goes, you'll never guess who I've got tied in my cabin. And Roger Moore goes, only you would think about sex at a time like this. At that point, he waves to the women at the table next to him. Do you reckon the actors knew it was a film? <laughs> <laughs> or is it just pervy Do you think they're like, are they doing a travel log? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Caine, Michael Winner and Roger Moore go to various restaurants and... It's like a weird, like a weird fucked up version, like an original no, no, yeah. plan setup of like the trip with Rob Bryan and Steve Coogan. Well, no, mm. do you remember the Jill Dando's holiday or this holiday, whatever it was in the in the nineties? Yeah. like they got a, celebra oh, a celebrity wish version. You were here. Yeah, 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 a celebrity oh. version of that, <laughs> and all the extras are going. He's had a few, hasn't he? Bloody hell. You know, Roger Moore, what's he? It's Roger Moore, is that Roger Moore? I think that's Roger Moore. Bloody hell. Must be a celebrity film. I mean, he just grabbed my ass. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> oh, was that? No, that was Winner. Oh, that was, of course winner. It was Winner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come here, darling. I want to see the menu. <laughs> <laughs> so Sydney's got told to go to the table. Three shady-looking men read ethnic. They look vaguely Eastern European, Arabic, and East Asian. All of the dodgy ones. <laughs> <laughs> Because, of course, Michael Caine has to get the dodgy ones. Yeah. So the European asks him a science question, and Sydney recites the answer that the agent is giving to him through mm -hmm. his earpiece. Uh, a guest turns on a TV, 
there's signal interference, and so Michael Caine starts reciting the news report from the TV, because that's how satellites work. <laughs> and then hilariously, it says, he's talking in code. Yes, oh. they think he's speaking in code. They're talking about the mean, fucking, he's talking the fucking at this point, Sydney visibly removes his earpiece. Yes! yes. <laughs> none of them questioning. None, none of them. Of them. None of, he's English. Yeah. They've all got earpieces telling them what to do. So he oh, mocks the Lord. Asian for their cheapness. Then he says the Islamic Republic of Iran has made a generous offer, but the, I'm assuming Russian, wins and gets a seat at the final auction. He offers his non-returnable deposit. It's a green jewel. Basically looking like they pulled the pop from a ring pop. It must have been a coke film. (laughs) There's no excuse. I think it was a coke film. I think it was an Ovaltine and injections kind of film. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, it is. It is a film of largesse, but I don't think that it's a film of cocaine indulgence. I think it is a film of let's have a seven-course meal for brunch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this isn't a cocaine film. This is a quail film. Yeah, quail with coke. <laughs> My favourite kind of quail. It's posh, but filled with coke. Have, have it like a small zebra. The br- the black part is caviar, <laughs> the white part is cocaine. The second second winner's talking... waitress brings it out. Yeah. Mr. Ambassador, you are spoiling it. Yeah, I'm, talking, I'm, talking, I'm talking the posh coke. You know, Keith Richards Ro- does. Not, not the normal bags of coke. Every Ferrero Rocher is a speedball. <laughs> 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 Someone call Ollie Reed, we're going on the lash. <laughs> He's already there. <laughs> right, I'll be honest with you, lads. I was going to do a day of filming, but I took three speedballs. Next thing you know, we're in the Viper Room with River Phoenix. <laughs> I had a lovely evening with Courtney Love. He thinks he shacked up with Courtney Love. He got Kurt Cobain instead. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous penis. <laughs> So Hitler oh, he... arrives with a gun ready to shoot Sydney. The woman that Sydney accosted on the train points him out to her fella, and so Hitler gets knocked out. Sydney drags Hitler into a separate room. Uh, Hitler awakes and starts strangling Sydney and ties him up. Okay. So now we've got Hitler impersonating Sydney. Uh, Sally Kirkman oh, and the agent uh... get a taxi. An Asi- the Asian businessman who lost the bid because he was a oh, tight yeah, Asian yeah. businessman, apparently, yep. uh, appears behind the taxi driver and insists that they follow the car. Uh, Sydney's trying to cut himself free, whilst Kirkland and the agent have arrived at a village, because apparently that's something to do with where Hitler has some notes. Uh, they think the real fusion plans may be in this bank in this village, but it's not a bank. Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's a, a village pub. Yeah. Again, they, they use school halls for prisons and scientist labs. And they use village pubs for banks that apparently open whenever the bank can be asked to turn up. They spend the money on the train and the dinner. And the coke. <laughs> scientist Moore has turned up at this point. Again, no explanation of how he got there, why he got there. But again, the bank is closed. There are two American tourists that are also there asking oh. to see if the bank... And they're asking if the bank has opened. They haven't. Uh, there aren't. They aren't any use. The Asian businessman arrives from behind a tree and threatens to throw the woman in the river if he doesn't tell them what the agent and Kirkland have just said. The husband refuses and she gets thrown in the river. Uh-huh. The tourist <laughs> offers to buy the Asian man a drink. Comedy. Like, thing is though, Michael, you do seem to actually have found that quote funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we're about what, about. 37 minutes into the film. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, it, yeah. it pretty much genuinely was. I did giggle at that, and I was ashamed of myself, but that's because there was just to be fair, I think they, else. I think they nothing. knew that that was their best joke, because <laughs> oh. we have not seen the last of this oh, joke. God. Oh, 
Christ. Hitler taunts Sid, only for Sid to finally break free, knock Hitler down. Kane is explaining all of this in narration at this point. At this point, I feel like Nigel Kane should just... Like, read out the action in the script. <laughs> so it's like an audio book at this point. The, the audio book of the novelization of enter, the Bulls. Enter Roger Moore. <laughs> With a befuddled look on his face. Yeah. That's what Roger was going for, but you know. Oh, that's me. <laughs> that's me, that. I was in Alfie. I was thrown by the, <laughs> I was thrown by the nose. <laughs> God. I mean, don't you think my American accent is top-notch? I only had one lesson about it at all. Dr. Daniel Heckler. See, it's amazing. <laughs> Michael, we keep saying, can we have one more go, can we have one more go at it? No. <laughs> Sydney sees Moore driving off in a coach to the country house. The narrator Kane says he needs to get to him before he starts the auction. Uh, he wants Moore to tell him what's happened, but Moore's busy with the bidders, who are now an African. You can tell he's an African because he's in a dashiki. A Sicilian, and most importantly... A woman. A woman. A woman. A, tra- with a wonderful woman. <laughs> Sydney sat with the Russian who won the bid the previous day. A Jew complaining about the kosher meal. You can tell he's a Jew. I think he's got the Hasidic stuff on. Or, the or he's just shrugging. I don't know. Whatever it is that Michael Winner thinks Jews do. <laughs> Isn't he himself Jewish? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> he's dead now. It doesn't matter. It's not like he would even care about offending his own people. He will offend everyone. Roger Moore takes all the bids. He scrunches up the bids and makes them disappear, much to the amusement of the woman. Oh, he's a magician. The African says smart-ass in a very English accent. Produces the African's card. So basically, Roger Moore's now in a magician. Yeah, not mentioned before. He's just fancies a go at it. He produces (laughs) the African's card under his hat, the Italian businessman in his breast pocket, and the attractive woman from behind her ear. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure he... Made to peak as well. The Italians is too low. The African and the woman have both bid $100 million each. He allows them both to revise their bid. Oh, the Russian's asking for a signed photo of Princess Diana for his sister at this point. Ties in with the last episode. Yeah, it's, it's all part of one cinematic universe. <laughs> the African has bid $120 million. The woman has bid $110 million. And Roger Moore goes with the woman. Hey. To be fair, that wasn't what was in the script, but they were like, Roger's just picked the woman. We've got to revise it. <laughs> okay, at this point, Michael Caine just breaks the fourth wall. Yes. What the fuck is that about? He just looks what at the camera. He says, hey, guess Kim Basinger. I get Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, <laughs> end it. Yeah, there's no yeah, just end. I don't care. End. I think at this point he was uh, meant to like literally they had to say, Michael, will you please just learn this line? Right, I'll be honest with you, lads. <laughs> I was gonna learn this line, but However. then Alex Higgins knocks on my door. <laughs> Turns out he's doing an exhibition down the road. Next thing you know, I wake up in Togo. With that young African lad that you cast in this movie. (laughs) And we're doing Shakespeare in the park. I was a wonderful Malvolio. (laughs) So I'm not going to read the script. Literally write on a piece of paper and I will look at the camera when I'm doing it. So Roger Moore invites Sidney in thinking it's his lady friend. uh, Invites him uh, into the shower to see if she can tell the difference between his penis and soap on a rope. And her penis. And her penis (laughs) and soap on a rope. I hope it's magnificent. Uh, Sidney shows him the gun and tells him that Hitler is back. Roger Moore emerges from the shower. 
Which is something we never needed to see. Uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fair to say, watching the old Roger Moore Bond films recently, they never required him to get to the Daniel Craig level of ripped at any point. <laughs> That's because, what, what age did he take on the Bond? 45. Yeah, he was not going to get Daniel Craig Daniel ripped. Craig is 50 now. Yeah, 50 now. But it's just funny how the requirements were back in those days compared to how they are now. Like, I know like women have got to get thinner and thinner and thinner as time's gone on, but men have had to get, like... Basically, have to stop drinking water three days before the shirtless shots. <laughs> you buff now. Well, they did kind of look at Chris Pratt and they go, "Can we? <laughs> yeah, we can." <laughs> Let's make him anemic and everything. <laughs> so Roger Moore invites Sydney in, thinking it's his lady friend. I've already said this. Sydney tells him that Hickler's back. Hickler seems to have escaped. They meet the lingerie-clad woman that won the previous bidding. Kirkland meets Moore and Sydney and realizes Hickler has her. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) None of it makes any fucking sense. Uh, 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 There's a standoff. Uh, Sydney's somehow able to feel up the woman from before and gets another punch. Why don't you shoot him? And then there's a ricochet of the bullets. I think I put down. Oh, I think he said he wouldn't shoot him because there would be a ricochet that uh, would hit them. Suddenly bringing science into I, it. I, well, he is a scientist. He does the colours. Oh, no, he's not no, the scientist. No, he's not the scientist. Oh, he's pretending to be the scientist, but isn't the scientist. And the scientist is being the evil... Oh, no, my brain has gone sour. I'm frozen. Okay, so wherever I am at this point, the waiter asks if they want tea and the Asian businessman attacks him. It's just basically the Asian businessman will randomly attack people. I guess he, saw, he saw, like, the Pink Panther... And he thought, you know, ah, that's what people laugh at. Asian people attacking people. Appearing from nowhere, being sneaky. When he pops up, he's like, and capital racism. Well done, Michael. It was 1990. It's no excuse. So that means it's post the first wave of political correctness. Exactly. This film came out the same year as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know which one I prefer. Yeah, that's a good film. Okay, so the Russian bloke now tries it on with the lady who's also won the uh, her her semi-final of the bid process. I don't know if there's a third and fourth place playoff going on between all the other bidders as well. Oh, yeah. Perfect description, actually. That's exactly what it is. But it turns out this lady, as you would expect, is a nymphomaniac. Of course she of is. Of course she is. Because that's what exactly Michael Winner thinks of people. She's Russian, she's got large breasts. Now, this is where it gets really dumb. It turns out that... This Kirk, is where it gets dumb. No, like, even a new level of dumb. Because they can't even they can't even explain this away in the narration. Sally Kirkland, who, as far as we're aware throughout this whole film, has been a con man is actually the mother of this CIA agent lady. Uh-huh. The one that she's been playing the mother of the entire, well, for at least half the film. And so it turns out that and there's a decent chance that this woman is the daughter of one of the two of them. So wait, 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 wait. We've gone from a double identity heist caper to a Interpol international spy incident thriller, spy yeah. thriller to a who's the daddy comedy. What the fuck is this film? <laughs> I'm telling you it's a coke film I'm telling you you didn't believe me it really is listeners listen to the plot back it is full of coke oh my god to the well actually to be fair they they make this same point blimey I started out a thief then became a secret agent 
Now I might be a father. Even the film knows, like yeah. you, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's, right, I, I think I've worked out but how this is happened. But the big important thing of this, where he does about the whole, you know, I started out a thief, became a secret agent. They play some soppy music over there, so it's like I became a father. Oh, this could be my daughter. La 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 la. Oh, fuck. He does point oh. out that she's good looking as well. So yeah. I guess like the good ending will be if it's not is then he gets Don't bang your daughter. Because Roger Moore can do that daughter. all throughout the movie. Uh, I think I've worked out what's happened though when it comes to the the plot and why it keeps changing. This film did not start out as a film script. Right, the script for the film just did not start as a script. It began as, as the a holiday brochure. No, no. Fever dream. It began as a poison pen letter <laughs> that got way out of hand. <laughs> he was just clipping bits out of several newspapers, stuck them together, and eventually found he had an entire working script for a film. An entire script made out of letters <laughs> from magazines. Yeah. It's like phrases to say. This is the longest cut out. This is the longest hostage note in the history. <laughs> he just turned out Michael Wynn and went, I'll buy the rights to it. It's fine. So they've got to finish the job in Scotland. Of course Of course they do. Roger Moore's going to have sex with the nymphomania. Yep, of course he is. Goes to prepare his room. The assistant offers to open the door, which triggers off a shotgun in the room, which unrealistically blows off his assistant's now mannequin dummied head. And at this point, Roger Moore looks at the camera and breaks the fourth wall. (gasps) I've heard of losing your head over a woman, but this... What really fucks me off is the second his head blows off, there's like a a tin whistle, like slide whistle... (laughs) And he's like, the man's just had his head blown off. Yeah, to be fair, I've been watching the Roger Moore Bond films. That might be an homage. Because yeah. they, they, the Roger Moore films got pretty silly with the sound effects as well. Yeah, yeah but you forget it's a comedy, was. Tom. It's not the high school Don't forget comedy. it's a comedy. Don't forget it's a comedy. Another steward oh. is helping Sydney with the electronics and that causes that uh, person to die. Another attendant rose, runs to the phone about the dead bodies and a spike impales him. You know, a lot of innocent people dying at this point. Yeah. The scientist Roger Moore poisons the food. They all eat it except for Hitler because, uh, except for Sydney because he gets Hitler's healthy he's, food. He's a vegan. But that means everyone else is sick and except farting, for... including Patsy Kensitz. Oh shit! Yeah, she's in this. I completely forgot. That's their Stan Lee cameo for this film. <laughs> Patsy Kensit, the uh, stamp of approval. That's also another tick off. Though. We always tick off. Someone's been in EastEnders, Brookie, Corey, or Dream Team. From the football. <laughs> How the hell did Roger Moore not end up on Dream Team? We have a new secret investor. Good evening, gentlemen. <laughs> now, drop your drawers. I want to see which of you is a lady. <laughs> You're all ladies. <laughs> but how? Let me check your tonsils. <laughs> your magnificent six inch tonsils. <laughs> <laughs> what strange worlds we have created for the dead. <sighs> So, evil Roger Moore arrives with a gun. The Jewish man's complaining again about the lack of kosher food. Roger Moore puts a gun to him, and that Jewish man backflips and kicks him. Michael Caine adds a punch for good measures. Turns out that Jewish man was a member of the Israeli commando. So maybe he is Jewish, because that's like the only one that is able to do a positive stereotype to go with all their other oh, stereotypes. No, no. And as if he didn't know he was Jewish, apparently he doesn't like tipping people, because they are all cheap as fuck. <laughs> so they're at the hotel where the final auction is going to take place. The two CIA men that are in the room next door are on a balcony, but that balcony collapses. Oh, why? Other CIA agents are all around the place dressed up as uh, knights. But it turns out the CIA men want them dead. Again, Michael Caine in narration had to explain this yeah. to us. 
So the CIA are now with the evil Roger Moore. Michael Caine is literally explaining everything that happens in this film at this point. Like I said, he is just reading the novelization of this film at this point. But when they get to Scotland, what I like is the fact that it is stock the stock footage of Scotland. <laughs> it's not even like the film. I, I, I like to imagine what the Michael Winner's uh, intended stock footage is just two <laughs> drunk men fighting. And... With a haggis story in the middle of good measure. I mean, the film quality that you say was dreadful throughout, but it goes from that to like some 70s educational video of just some lads in the field chucking all the big bits of wood. It's just like, this is Scotland now. So <laughs> the lady CIA agent is back in the village trying to get the rural bank to open. They run into the banker who's Perform- he was doing a fox hunt. Hitler is taking a taxi to the hotel. He bumps into the Asian businessman who's on a tractor. The banker opens his safe room where there are rats. They try the different safe combinations. They see that Hitler arrives thanks to her shoe recognition yes, skills. Yes, I've got this line down. The seat that said entirely straight. The CIA trains us in shoe recognition. Yes, entirely straight. I know those size twelve hush puppies from here. <sighs> Uh, the real floppy disk is in the safe. The Asian businessman arrives. They kick him into the safe. Hitler is just behind, and he opens the safe to find the Asian businessman. A car chase ensues between the agents and Hitler in a taxi. We see stock footage of the Highland Games. Mm-hmm. Sydney makes an order of expensive food in the hotel. Roger Moore is still too ill to join him. The CIA agent criticizes a younger agent. The nymphomaniac and the Russian are snogging for some reason in the background. Because she's oh. nymphomaniac. The con men are dressed in full kilt and sporran because we might as well insult the Scots whilst we're at it. <laughs> Lunch arrives. It's haggis, but they ordered steak. The CIA lady figures that it's a bomb like all haggises are. Yeah, haggis bomb because, you know, Scotland. Yes. <laughs> and tells them to get down. And funky. <laughs> Get down on it. <laughs> so they pass, another, dancing, eh? they pass yeah. another CIA agent who's performing a Punch and Judy show to one boy. <laughs> now, when do we get to the midget? <laughs> it's coming. It's my next note. Relax. <laughs> they arrive at a castle. A cleaning lady. Lady in inverted commas. Gives Michael. them directions. <laughs> Roger Moore's kind of <laughs> Tell me, how long is your shot? At this point, Sydney gets knocked out by Hitler. Everyone is... Oh, and now, again, Michael Winner decides, I'm a filmmaker! And suddenly starts filming everything in Dutch angles. Oh, God. And here is where we have the auction and the arrival that we have never seen before of the midget. The midget, one hour 14. Who's surprisingly filmed throughout the entire thing, I find. Through the arm of a chair. Michael Wynn deciding he's going to do perspective shots, but not... What? It's like, it's like Roger, Roger Ebert once said about the man who made Battlefield Earth. He knows that Dutch angles exist in films. He doesn't know why they exist in films. He just does it. But he does them. There's because a, this is a film. There's a midget. They use stock footage. Wait, just so the we CIA know that train us in shoe recognition. We are aware that midget and dog is tracking. not. We are aware that midget is not the appropriate term to use in but this day and age. But it's probably the one that probably the winner yeah. banded we are, we are going mate, by what mate, was in the script. Mate, 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 mate! I can get a fucking midget for a fiver. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's going in then, isn't it? Jeez. I'll throw some monster much out and it'll be fine. But you know they it's were filming so this. So now we've got a standoff between. Yeah, now we've got a standoff between Roger Moore and the midget over who gets when handing over the disc and handing over the money. Uh, Hickler grabs the diamonds. Turns out the cleaner was evil Roger Moore with a gun. So it was Roger Moore's idea of a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a wonderful set of tonsils. <laughs> 
Whilst Evilmore is disrobing, Sydney emerges. A very poor fight between obvious stuntmen ensues. <laughs> right, lads, this is one of the few scenes where we can actually uh, get get some good action shots in. Are you going to be ready? Right, I'll be honest with you, lads. George Best. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he doesn't bother giving all... He just lists the names of the locations. <laughs> George Best, Guinness Factory, Fiji. First, second and fourth in the Marilyn Monroe lookalike competition. Third turned out to be a bloke. She was. <laughs> but she had smooth balls. <laughs> the CIA man is helping the lady who fell into the lake earlier. He's told that they screwed up. The woman falls into the river and the husband repeats the one... Borderline halfway decent can I buy you a drink joke from before? Because he hates his own wife. The v- <laughs> That's funny, it's comedy. The very, <laughs> the very slow chase continues. I suddenly remember that Sydney's supposed to have bad luck, so he gets hit with a juggling stick. The scientists drop a cupboard onto the con men. It hits the wife tourist, so now just Michael Caine is really ramping up the hilarious violence against women. Uh, Michael, up, lads. The Michael Caines bump into each other. The CIA grabs Sydney. Sydney proves it's him by bringing down a bird with his dart skills that they established. Because if it's not enough to hate, hate foreign people and women, yeah, I gotta hate animals as well. The chase continues. They run past some Scottish dancers. Sydney manages to get hit in the head by two scabbards. Michael Caine is again laughing in narration, saying even he even says even I am confused who is who. <laughs> again, <laughs> the point again. When the man who's narrating the film and he even starred in The Bastard can't tell who's who or what's what, how the hell do we have a chance? You know chance? what this was actually? This was a precursor to DVD commentaries. Yes. <laughs> yes. He was a pioneer! Sydney gets hit on the floor, on the foot by a caber in a caber tossing contest. Right. That, that's the one that really fucks me off. You, of course, you go into a Highland Games. Of course, the caber's being tossed around. Of course, someone's going to end up having it on their foot. And of course, it's going to be Michael Bastard Kane. I'm surprised he didn't get any Quakeros thrown in his eyes or <laughs> have his hands stuffed in a deep fryer or whatever. Or just be like, blinded by shortbread. But instead, he just has him get crotched by a, a rope in a tug of war. <laughs> uh, they run through a ball and chain thrower. His throw ends up going through the car roof and hitting the tourist wife yet again. I think she's dead at this point. Hey, let me buy you a drink. The scientists GTA someone's car. The con men grab a Suzuki bike. Kane makes quite a homophobic joke whilst Moore grabs his waist. They knock over a Scotsman. (laughs) That may be the funniest line of the entire show. They knock over a Scotsman. At this point, Kirkland and the agent have given up entirely and are just taking photos with the locals. (laughs) It's like, ah, should we keep up with the secret agent plot? No, no, let's have no, a lovely day. Let's have a mummy daughter no, day. Come you're on. getting it wrong. They're really, really busy detecting shoes. Because <laughs> the CIA trainers and shoe recognition. So they finally catch the con men by landing on top of them by going over a, po- a pub in their motorbikes. But then the CIA agents grab them and, tell, and the con men disappear. Sydney throws one dart into the evil Michael Caine's eye and the other one into the evil Roger Moore's hand. Roger Moore goes, Bullseye! Apparently this was a catchphrase. That's the name of the film. <laughs> hey! <laughs> the CIA arrive and arrest the, the perps. Sydney congratulates Roger Moore on not double-crossing his partner. Moore saying, I must be losing my touch. We've all lost our touch on reality at this point, Roger. So. <laughs> as well as our minds. 
That was last ages ago. They get tickets back to London. Turns out the diamonds were fake. That those were the CIA's fake diamonds. And they have to keep the earlier diamonds that were real for cost-cutting measures. The Asian girl leaves with the CIA and the MI5. But they still have a problem. The two scientists going to trial will be embarrassing. So they will kill the two con men as well. The agent lady hears this and runs away. She returns to them with a floppy disk with the real plans. And they all laugh. They offer it to the British government to offer the equivalent money of the diamonds. The MI5 man is given a quick bollocking by a government minister. They bring a grey-haired guy who says the first diamonds they were offered are Drek, and then they get the real ones for 10 minutes. I know this is, it just sounds like one sentence, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just burning through the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> they, the arrive at, they arrive at the pub to celebrate, uh, where they witness the secret agent, CIA agent, get a bullseye, which means biologically she must be... Michael Caine's daughter. <laughs> Again, Roger Moore looks to the camera saying, I could have sworn it was my daughter, which now you guys know is a reference oh, to the fact that it really is his, is his daughter. Because he wanted to bang her. Yes. Yeah. Michael Caine's narrator explains that his daughter makes jewellery in New Mexico. Sally Kirkland married the senator that Roger Moore had shafted earlier on. Because that was foreshadowing. I don't know. What? And they end up in Barbados. Yay! Which we know is... Because there are some shots of Barbados with not many of the cast but a woman in a bikini. <laughs> Scientists go to jail and the nuclear fusion plant is open three years later where Margaret Thatcher arrives to open the place. Roger Moore and Michael Caine are in Barbados watching these events happen. Or Roger Moore is watching it at the bar because Michael Caine is busy trying to convince John Cleese. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's a man who looks like John Cleese. But it is being played by John, John Cleese. <laughs> He also wanted Right at the end, they just have to drag down your level of depression even <laughs> further because they've sucked John Cleese into this. And there's an extra bit of information I think you told me uh, about this. But yeah, I think it was. Uh, I read up that production values have been so poorly maintained throughout the entire film that for the last shots, they had uh, John Cleese was acting as the uh, the audio guy. Mm. He ha- he's holding a book on the beach throughout the entire scene and behind the book is a sound recorder so that he could pick up all the audio I think one of the other cast members was holding the camera at the time they couldn't hire any crew while they are out there <laughs> but they could get tickets to Barbados <laughs> exactly so what they did was to just pull everyone that they could that was on the scene on that day together to act as a temporary film crew so shit is this film they can't even handle an actual crew so the factory explodes because it turns out that these scientists have been wrong all along Sydney refuses to give the money back because they've spent it and it turns out over the narration that John Cleese was actually a lookalike who took their money and they're all broke all over again yeah because you have to narrate over the credits like everyone else does Uh... and that was one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life one of no, no, because I do think I've seen a worse movie. Because... We're only four episodes okay. into this podcast. Name that worst movie. Date movie. That's... I don't know what that is. Okay. That's hard to argue. Because I don't think date movie constitutes a movie. <laughs> this... It's a the... series of abortions tied together. In the together. narrowest sense of it is a movie, in that there is a plot that I had to recite to you people for so far. You did long. really well there. Well done. Yeah. Round of applause for the I tried to there. make it like a natural part of the dialogue and like make it sound as if I'm just recounting it from memory, but I think you could tell everyone that that was a bullet pointed list that I was struggling 
with all my might to get through. Yowza. So, let's very quickly say one nice thing about the film. Dog shagging. Do we? Dog we do shagging. Dog, dog shagging. You thought the dog shagging was funny. No, or shit. It, or it was just good for that, that was, dog That dog had a bit of fun. Honestly, what... <laughs> <laughs> Go on, no, lad, get your film. It, like I say, I, I, we watched. I watched it about two weeks ago, uh, and that's the thing that I remembered the most because I have tried to f- physically flush it out of my head. So it was memorable. Okay, there we go. There. You remembered one. I thing. remembered the dog shagging. I will say that Roger Moore had fun <laughs> trying to bang his daughter. No, Roger Moore had fun with his image. There's still that minute twinkle of charm that he had as James Bond. You don't expect better from Roger Moore, to be honest. You expect better from Michael Caine. Not 90s. So all I'll say is that Roger Moore, if you could have given him a fun caper script with the attitude that he had towards acting, he could... You you could have wrung a funny film out of Roger Moore playing like a a, a, a grass con man always willing to sell the person oh, that's a funny concept of like the the con man always ready to grass out everyone around him and he plays mm-hmm. that up like he there's no ego to his performance you know like sean connery would never allow himself to look that foolish mm. roger moore had no ego and he had a bloody good time tell me you're up <sighs> you know what I, I don't think it's possible i don't think there is a possible nice good thing I could say about this film it is you, you've you've considered date movie to be the worst movie you've ever seen this comes close for me this is it mm. this is the bottom of the fucking barrel I mean I you know I, I think that the whole point of bad movie podcasts are to have some fun and I hope we've managed that but I think you can tell that this was like Diana was a chore because it was so serious and it wasn't there wasn't any charm to it I thought it was like uh, Diana as well was oddly paced so you're watching something and it's going very yeah. quickly then it's like really takes a piss yeah and it's quick again but it's- like there's things you can have a, you can have a laugh at the you can have a, I think also maybe because on the buses was of beyond our time before our time so we could kind of laugh at the cultural uh, inappropriateness of it like we were alive and around at this time we will have vague well I, I at least will have vague memories four, of, of yeah. Britain was it what Britain was like in 1990 the, mm. the, like the looks of these people so it's like it feels more relatable and more upsetting in that regard <laughs> like this could have been our parents doing this <laughs> our parents could have gone to see this film on a lovely night <laughs> yeah. on a night out like they might have like they get their one day out of the month they get whilst looking after us little shits and they're like Michael Caine Roger Moore sounds like like a fun time for us and then they come back depressed that they've wasted their one good day of the month and then beat us mercilessly or well, maybe that was just me I don't That's know to be fair if I watched that film and realised that was the reason my parents beat me that day I'd be like well you know what you, you yeah, had to enough. you had fair to take enough. your anger out somewhere there was no court in the land that would you know <laughs> for that your honour <laughs> we'd just seen Bullseye you well, are exonerated yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Bullseye I think, I think I've just worked the Bullseye out... defence <laughs> I think I've just worked out the one positive thing I could say about this film it was only hour and a half no I could, I could think of something better Patsy Kenzie's role was incredibly short <laughs> a saving grace so what is a, a Patsy Kenzie cameo in 1990 what's that the equivalent of now that's pre-EastEnders surely um, 
Well, oh, well, she no, she not... never did EastEnders, did she? I thought it was Emma Dale. Emma Dale. She, she couldn't was... even. Oh, she couldn't even yeah. book EastEnders. That's how far she down. She was Holby, wasn't she at one point? I've no yes, idea. she after, was. After Liam Gallagher. Okay, so that was. So could you have made a good version of this film? Not with Michael Winner, you couldn't. I think you could have made. But a the good... bare bones of like, I mean, you know, Doppelgangers is as old as Shakespeare. It's comedy of errors. You know, and before then, probably. You could have made a good film with some slight changes, like, you know, the, the cast or the script. No, or I don't the think. I think, I think if you, like I said, if you, gave, if you gave a funny little script to Roger Moore and Michael Caine, they could have done something with it. Oh, not think, 90, not think, 90s Caine, he had checked out. I honestly think if there'd be more people to look at the script and just go, no. Try again. So whoever wrote it. Oh, there was no editing. It was it was A listers going. Ah, it's fine. Yeah, but... it's fine. Get all the doubt this. What are we having for lunch? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quail. <laughs> on a, on Quail. A bit of rocket. <laughs> on a rate out of five stars. <sighs> <sighs> it's just it's 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 so abhorrent. It was even painful to read the notes back. Yeah. That says a lot. So <laughs> I mean, like I said, if you were brave enough to follow this with us beforehand thank you and maybe we can hear some of your survival stories afterwards if you want to get in touch with us on the Facebook group are we setting up a support group? yeah we might have to there's a support line but anyway if you need some help hey you don't watch that watch this because Britain is renowned for its uh, funny capers back in the day and I'm going to recommend one of the classics of the lady killers of course which was of those Ealing Studio days, and, and a film with two of the biggest British movie stars of all time at the you know at the time in um in Alec Guinness and Peter Sellers, and it's got old, little old ladies and and shady people trying to do dodgy uh, heists and what have you, but and and it has a dark m- m- humor to it as well, but. Mm-hmm. It's actually good. It's it was great. so good that the Coen Brothers remade it, and they couldn't improve upon it couldn't come close Graham uh, Linehan he did the play didn't he yes. and that was very very good I went to go to see it it was yeah. very good it was very very good see, lovely so yeah the Lady go Killers go see Lady Killers instead or, or, or anything any film, yeah. go to a field and watch grass grow rather than watching this <laughs> ask a man who's painting if he can watch it dry Watch the dog gangbang in its entirety <laughs> I'm edited the director's cut <laughs> Just make the ten minutes of dog shagging. Bullseye after dark. So yes, if you, you just watch actual bullseye, old episodes of bullseye on YouTube. You, it's rather yeah, than this. If you game. want to talk to us about the old bullseye TV show or your experiences with the bullseye movie, if you were on the crew of that thing, oh please get in touch. We want to know so touch, many things. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U W L A for Apple N for Norman. That's also my Instagram account. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. There's the Facebook page for there us is. all. There's our Twitter as well. Which... You can buy my ebook, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, if you want to, you know, if you want to do something different. Yeah, shill your merch. I all am right. going to shill my merch. All right, then, right. well, I'm going to shill then as well. Wait till, if... you, wait till you see our t shirts with Michael Caine's face going, I'll be honest with you, lads. <laughs> I'll do it, I'll do it. As, as we're shilling, me and Tom, we run the comedy nights in Birmingham. Yes. You do the rest. <laughs> Thank you. We are. Is, no, that how, is that how the partnership works as well? Yeah, yeah. If, only, fucking, hey, if Tom, only it did. Hey, Tom, let's do a comedy club. You do the rest. 
Mate, yeah, fucking yeah. only. Like, quite the opposite. <laughs> um, so yes. have, we got, have we got axe books? Yes, Tom, we've got axe books. Yeah. <laughs> what time do I have to be there? Well, you know what time it starts. You know. So 20 minutes after that. <laughs> and can I leave after I've done my set? No one hates the person that does that. Nine times out of ten, I'm the first no, one at the show. We won't, we won't shit we won't off. We won't shit so anyway. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, if you want to find uh, me on Twitter, it's at MichaelBell86. Instagrams? Instagram is uh, Instagram are they at they're at aren't they I think so yeah, right, it's moon on the stick or one word you can find me on Twitter Instagram and Facebook Tom Hodkinson that's Tom with an H because I'm a pretentious prick <laughs> and uh, yeah um, you can also get my email at tomhodkinson at googlemail.com but there is our collective Twitter for this podcast B-O-W-O-B pod that's Bob pod and that has been the fourth episode of Bob. Stay Bob-wob. tuned because next week we will avenge our eyeballs from having watched Bullseye by watching <laughs> The Avengers. Anything is better. I Anything. Know, uh, I agree with you, Michael. Anything, Anything in the world is better. And of course, we are not talking about Hulk and Tony Stark and the others. What? No. Oh, We're talking shit. about the film that had such a lasting legacy of awfulness. That that's why 14 years later we got the awkwardly titled Avengers Assemble in the UK and the UK only hey, when that I, one came Well, you've out. sold it to me. I'm going to go and watch it now. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I'm English. The only Avenger I care about is Patrick McNee, and that's why I'm going to be talking about him very heavily in the next episode, all right? So look forward to that, listeners, dear. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, we have been best of worst of British, and we have been three men sitting around making fun of a bunch of people who went out and actually made a movie. This week, I have been reading a book about the history of the Argentinian football team. Or at least I would be doing that if I weren't spending every waking hour that I wasn't working trying to get past level 1,129 on Candy Crush Saga. (laughs) Thank you, and we'll see you again next week. Smooth shaft, lovely balls.